0: Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through His sons and daughters. Leif shares insight into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode.
1: just sharing your testimony from this week and for myself and because uh, during uh, I think it was yesterday's morning session that uh, I came in in the morning I was just sitting there just uh, being very overwhelmed uh, they come over actually both uh, Sean and Krista uh, came over to just prophesy and pray over me and I didn't even think much about it except I, I just knew I was getting wrecked by the presence of God it was just one of those moments. I knew there was a lot of freedom Presence was just hitting me. I just sat there, but wept, and wept until my sinus was clogged. I felt it all the way through the evening. But anyway, and then out of nowhere, I know one word that they spoke over me. I didn't even think about it. They just said, uh, sleep, we see sleep, and you're going to have a whole new sleep, and you're going to have different dreams than you've had before. And I didn't even think about it. It was just something they said out of a lot of things they said that I would look forward to listening to. But then uh, last night, I went to bed, and it's the first time in months I've slept over eight hours. And then uh, And then the dreams was just amazing. It was almost like you, you went to bed. From the time you just fell asleep, it was just this rest. And I'm saying that because I feel the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. So I'm just sensing even right now, if there's anyone that you, you struggle with sleep or perhaps there's interruption during sleep, I know if you're a certain age, there are certain things that do interrupt you, but uh, <laughs> I still slept through that too, and I'm 57. So anyway, I'm just saying that. I think there's a special grace right now. So could we just, if you are struggling with sleep or have sleep somia or anything that is interfering, well, you don't get an eight-hour sleep, I want you just to stand because I do feel there is a grace. And could some of the people just around them and... But I, I do believe there's going to be a grace when you go to bed tonight, when you just hear my story. Let me just give quickly a background. I, I was sitting here with Bill Johnson and Randy Clark a few years ago and we were doing a healing school and Bill Johnson just mentioned a story and I was lacking 10 degrees movement with my foot after I've had many, many surgeries and I needed to actually create a miracle and I've been prayed for a hundred times and nothing has happened. But then Bill Johnson just tell, told a story out of nowhere about this boy that got this created miracle. And at the moment when he said it, my foot just grew out and suddenly the bone got together and I've never had any problems since. <laughs> and, and I'm sharing that maybe there's somebody also with a foot, but because I broke that in six different places with my car accident, but I said that also that the power of the testimony of Jesus. So I've been prayed for many different things, but I didn't even realize that when he is just sharing that story, it creates something in the environment for God to do it again. So, Father, I just thank you so much that even at this very moment, that what you did for me, do it again. I thank you, Jesus. You are the same yesterday and today and forever. The same Jesus that was here yesterday that just touched me in a very supernatural way, and I had a phenomenal night of sleep. Do it again, Jesus. So, Father, from the top of your toe to the bottom of your feet, I just speak, Jesus, the Prince of Shalom, just to fill your. heart and that the new pattern for your life is that your day starts in the evening and that you will go to bed and you will have such a supernatural rest that you will wake up in the morning and you will live from that rest. In Jesus' name. And I speak also there's going to be healing taking place even during your sleep. And there is going to be that God will just whisper and He will speak to you. So even at this very moment, I just speak grace to grace just to rest upon you to receive this gift. The gift of rest and the gift of sleep. Receive it in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said? Amen. A couple of more testimonies that's just uh, kind of always fresh uh, Sometimes I had these weird things happen to me, and that is I just started thinking about something that perhaps you are not even supposed to think about, but it wasn't his presence. I was just thinking about this Muslim, Shia Muslim leader. He is a political leader of a Shia. I mean, he's a, the second highest Shia Muslim political leader of this party. So just in worship, I was just thinking about him. And then the next moment, I just looked at my phone and he was texting me. And, and then I was just reflecting. I know there was not like just a coincidence, but I saw it did something for me because for 270 days now, he texts me every single day. And there's something taking place. But what actually happening was we were sitting together having a dinner and I just had a word of knowledge and me and a friend, pastor friend and Greg, we brought him up to my hotel room. And then what he had is he had a torn rotator cuff And I said, hey, I want you to see what Jesus is going to do. I hope on Sunday I can play that little video because I think John has given me six, seven minutes on Sunday. He's he's very gracious until David Wagner came and David Wagner got upgraded and I got downgraded. (laughs) But John says that uh, you need to read this book called Healing the Orphan Spirit. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. It is a privilege, as I say, for David Wagner. They actually, Pastor Dan and John, they contacted me on my way to New Zealand because when Dr. Michael Maiden couldn't come, they realized that David Wagner and I, we are covenant brothers and friends. And normally he is booked, like me, about 18 months in advance. But it worked out for him to come. And he is an incredible gift to the body of Christ. I would say of all the prophetic voices, and, and I've pretty much been around the prophetic all over the world, he would definitely be on the top two list of people that has made the biggest impact to me and our movement that I'm part of. Including if you go to Bethel Reading, uh, he's one that they would bring into the staff and just kind of a read the mail. But he's a heart prophet, and he comes from Chernobyl One. So I want everybody to come. It's not like he's going to expose you or anything, read your mail and that way. Right. No, he, he comes and he speaks what God sees about you. And he speaks life into that situation. Uh, but he is also one of those gifts that I have watched over and over again. We've been together with a thousand people where he has taken time with every single person of a thousand people. And he's been praying to 2, 2.30 in the morning and just have a word for them. And I do not know about one person that didn't get ministered to just by the accuracy of the word. He just loves people, and takes the time with the people, and you heard he had a tremendous testimony. But the story about the Shia Muslim leader up in the hotel room, the presence of God just touched him, and I'm gonna show this video on Sunday, that in the next moment, you can see his surprise. You go from being kind of a minus 10, where you don't believe Jesus exists at all, that this is a good way of doing evangelism. Yeah. There's many different ways of doing evangelism, but when you have a political Shia leader, one of the good news is just let Jesus just fill the room. And then let them suddenly experiencing a miracle happening in the front of their eyes. And that's what was happening to him. And But watching his face, it is worth it a little. Two minutes, I took it on my eye. I had somebody with my iPhone because it, it was one of those, you know, the gift of faith is there. You know that what God is about to do before he did it. So in the moment when he lifts his hand and his face starts to shine and he starts to testify, say, he's like, how is this possible? This can't be done. And I couldn't move. And he's like, he's trying to, I say, it's Jesus. And he's here and he loves the Shia Muslim. He loves Iran. He loves the Shia Muslim. Oh, and he is just getting so overwhelmed. And then you can see he gets teared up. And then eventually he just gets so moved. And he says, I love you. And You see him on the video on Sunday. I love you so much. And then eventually he says, I would give my life to you. And since then, every single day, and I just felt about it, but I just thought about just this spirit of gratitude. I don't know one single person in any conference or church that for 270 days after healing has continued. Every single day, he makes this beautiful picture of something, and he sends to me something of gratitude He says, I love you. And he has not forgotten about what Jesus has done for him. And in two weeks I'm gonna be at the Shia Muslim headquarter with all the Shia Muslim and he sent me a picture of the Shia leaders that is preparing for me coming to the Shia Muslim family. And wow, I just pray that Jesus will just come and that Jesus would be the most real person at this beautiful party that we're going to have among the Shia Muslims. So Jesus loves Iran, he loves Shia, he loves the Saudi Arabia, he loves the Sunnis, he loves the Shia, he loves us all. So I just wanted to share that testimony. And then one more story that came to my mind, I, I think I shared it with Grace earlier. Because in Cuba, the communist country of Cuba, right now it is being been hard and shut down. People have suffered. Uh, Last time I was in Havana, I was trying to find an ibuprofen or a Tylenol. And in a city of over two million people, I couldn't find one Tylenol. And uh, a little over a year ago, during COVID, I went into Cuba and was so shut down, uh, but they actually did surgery on children without anesthesia because they didn't have any pain medication. And it was just heartbreaking. So we went in just with suitcases. We took teams in and everything else. I'm saying that, but in the middle of that setting, we have a move of God's spirit that's going on because we are in the light business. So when there's darkness there, we turn on the light. So anyway, so we just in the last six months, I planted 107 lighthouses of love, which is house churches just in the Havana region and area. But I thought, let's give Jesus a good hand. And the reason I feel this is important, so many times we're hearing about what the enemy is doing that we forgot hearing about what God is doing. And so, uh, but here's one of my favorite stories, because I had to share, I I just love this story. There is this, Aki is our pastor's wife of, you have Yazir and Aki that leads our churches and our movement in Havana. They were just at our house a couple of weeks ago. But the testimony is of this, uh, Aki reminds me a little bit about grace, but beautiful here, petite beautiful young woman. She was just, uh, she loves to get her hair done about four or five times a year. And she just wants, but she has this sister in the church, meaning a church member who normally cut her hair. But she just realized there's this other lady in Havana that know how to cut hair that is very, very good. But the problem is she's a witch. And she's kind of the head of witchcraft, Santeria. So if you go to her place, there's all these demonic things and music and critters everywhere. So, And Aki is kind of a... So I didn't know, but in 2019, when I was in Cuba, she has come up to me and says, Papa Leif. She called me Papa Leif. She said, Papa Leif, what am I supposed to do? We have a sweet Christian sister, and I want to support her. But, but my hair is not like some of the people I see, but they go to that witch. So what do I do And I said, repent. I don't remember me saying that. And then I, so she was just telling me the testimony. You said, repent. And the next moment I was so nervous and I went to the witch and all the time I was praying in the spirit quietly. She was touching my hair and I was afraid. And what you told me is, is the light in you greater than the darkness in the witch? And if you're not sure about it, stay away from the witch and go to the sister in the church. (laughs) I don't remember me saying it, but she told me the story. Make the story a little bit short. The next time I came to Cuba, she brought the witch, this was during COVID, to the meeting. And the witch came, got saved, healed, and delivered. And, uh, and the story that has continued to be great. So I came back again to Cuba a while later, because we've been doing about twice a year. I came to Cuba, and I say, who is this worship leader, the new worship leader? It's the greatest worship leader, Twenty. Some years I've been going to Cuba, been all over the Cuba, but this is the greatest worship leader I've ever seen. Who is she? And she said, that's the witch. And I said, which witch? And that's how I found out, which witch? That's how I found out the story about the witch and the testimony of the witch. She is leading eight of these house churches in her area right now. And I found out she's the top evangelist in all Havana, Cuba. She's leading more people to Jesus. She's discipling more people to Jesus. And she is mothering this movement. Another, and we just video recorded all these testimonies. We had a team just going all over hearing about the testimony. Another lady, and I just love this story, but this lady, been in prison for 20 years. Her husband had been beaten and abusing her. And in one moment, when he was, I think he was asleep, she just killed her husband got caught for the murder, were put in prison. And after 20 years in prison, she was released, but had stage four cancer. And then she ended up with two strokes, so she was paralyzed. But one of her kids, part of a lighthouse movement, saw her, and for the kids, that's a target. Yeah. So when they see that, so they just went over, prayed for her, and she got totally healed from stage four cancer, totally healed from <laughs> stroke. And she's leading eight of these lighthouses of love right now. So it's just like about six months after they get saved, they are now leading movements of God's Spirit. Mature, saved, healed, delivered, and just living this incredible life because free people sets people free. And I thought I wanted just to share that with you because I feel like there is this new movement of God's speed. This is in the middle of some of the greatest darkness. We're seeing some of the greatest light. And there's literally revival fire that is burning now in the island of Cuba. And we're heading there in September, and we're going to spread this fire all over the nation of Cuba. And Cuba is going to be a trophy of God's grace and God's goodness. And the goodness of God is going to lead to repentance. So can we give Jesus just a good hand? I wanted to show a little video, and if you are interested, let me guess. First, I apologize. Many of you came and asked for some of my books. The person on my staff that was in charge of that left and to move to another assignment. I was supposed to train the next person, but I ended up with COVID a couple of weeks ago, right before I went to New Zealand. So it is actually my fault that I didn't bring any products. I I didn't do my job. But we have one thing on the video here. So if you do have your phone ready, we have these 12 videos where we pretty much takes people out of chair two, give them a super glue in chair one. We took a thousand people during the COVID, 12 weeks we took them on this training for reigning, where they got the experience in baptism of love, being set free from the orphan spirit. And it was 12 weeks with revelation, say revelation. Impartation, (laughs) activation. And then we had soaking where people had incredible encounters week after week. The Filipino was part of that. And they took us into the glory realm. And it was just glorious. And then I interviewed Bill Johnson, Heidi Baker, Chris Vallotton, Brian Simmons, and a few other of our friends. And I said, how did you deal with loss? How did you deal with disappointment? I felt I wanted to take the gold out of some of our friends and learning some of the life lessons to share with people how to navigate during some of the dark season in their life. So, anyway, so that whole video series, normally it is a school, online school, but I just felt I wanted to make it available for people to have it on the phone to go through it because I felt like the whole body of Christ, this would add so much value. So let me just show the little video. If this is something for you, take a picture of there, you can scan the code and then you can purchase that, download it and get it on your phone. That's the only product I brought with me. The rest you can get on Amazon or in my office.
0: Wow. One of the greatest transformation in my life was when I went from being an orphan to being a son. We find ourselves living in an orphan world, where we are living for love rather than from love, where we learn how to be achievers, but we don't know how to be receivers. Honored as an ambassador of love, I've had the privilege of ministering globally for over 35 years with the aim of the darkest corners of the earth. The orphan spirit has been the root of much of the chaos and division and destruction in the world. And until we see ourselves the way that God sees us, we cannot have the proper perspective. Knowing how you see God, how God sees you, how you see the world, and how you see the future is vital to becoming a difference maker in this masterclass, I'm going to be helping you explore four fundamental questions to discover your full identity in Christ. Who are you? Identity. Where are you? Intimacy. What do you have? Inheritance. And what are you called to do? Destiny. I believe that God is calling his children That's Cuba in the fullness of their identity calling and he wants us to know it is not what you do that makes you who you are but it is who you are that makes you do what you do so for the last 20 years I poured out fathered and mentored dozens of leaders around the world and now I want to help you to do the same journey that I've helped discover for so many leaders this Masterclass Blueprint for Kingdom Identity is going to be a game changer for so many people. You will have access to weekly coaching, webinars, and community of like-minded people who will be going through this journey together. Oh, I'm so excited to go on this journey with you. To discover all who God has created you to be. Oh, He has so much more for you. Why would you live from measure when you can live from fullness? So instead of asking God to bless what you are doing, it is time for you to do what God is blessing. When you know who you are, whose you are, where you are, and what you have, you can live from heaven to earth rather than earth toward heaven.
1: I think this coming as that, that uh, there it is yeah, so if this is not the school online, but here now you can get it on your phone, on your iPad, watches as much as you want to bring it into your fo- home or business or wherever you want to use it, but it 's just one of the resource tools since last time we saw you, so if you have an interest of that. Uh, you will have access to all of the different material that we went through the school. Uh, we did, I think we did three rounds of this with different people. So uh, it's actually been a lot of fun. So anyway, this is for some of you. And if this would add value to you, just to bring it home, perhaps as a devotion or a transformational tool. Anyway, I am very excited about tonight for many different reasons. I brought my rod with me. And I know that some of you know and have heard me once before. It's going to come from a little bit different angle. And I wanted to give a little bit of the background in regard to this message. My uh, spirit to Papa Jack, it is actually his life message. Maybe some of you don't know that uh, when Jack Taylor died about two years ago, I was in the Middle East and was heading home, landed in New York City, and both my wife and Frida, this is not a good way to land. You're coming home to have Sabbath, a Sabbath week, but as soon as I landed in New York, they called me and said, you need to come down to Florida, and Papa Jack is in the hospital, and I hurried down, and for some of you that didn't know, my spiritual father, we did life together for about 22 years, and on a daily pretty much we talked together, we did life, vacation, including his widow, I had the honor when they got married to lay hands on them and be part of the life and we are actually hosting Frida. She moved in with us when he died. And she's now living in our area and it's so much part of our family. So we did covenant. We did family. And for me, I was not ready to lose my spiritual father like none of us are. But I ended up there in the hospital. It was during the COVID season. And you were not allowed. Only one person was allowed to go into the hospital room. And I was there and I was begging for his life and weeping and interceding. And Papa, don't, don't leave. And then they told me, you need to leave because now his son comes and his daughter is coming to the hospital. Only one at a time. Make the story short, I ended up standing outside on the Florida the heat. Then they said, you have 30 more minutes, but they have already shut down the equipment, they're gonna take him to the hospice, and he will die within 24 hours, because they're shutting off his heart, organs, and all the medicine, and they have just kept him alive. But he said, you can go and say goodbye. And at that moment, I was just sitting there, and I knew that this is my last moment, but at that, I was just kissing him, and say, Papa, Papa. Uh, And then in the next moment, he woke up, which was a whole miracle in itself because you cannot talk. And he was not able to talk six hours earlier at all. And he just looked at me and said, son, son, welcome back. I have been praying for you. I actually got it on the phone. And then afterwards, I said, Papa Jack, Papa Jack, because I'm thinking he's going to live now. And I said, Papa Jack, what is your favorite message? What what is, and he said, Moses and the rod, son, lay it down. And that was the last word he spoke before he died. And for me, that was very significant because I know he was trying to say something, not just to me, but I felt that the last words he's about to say, it's like Jesus, the last words he spoke before he went home was very important. And I learned that lesson and I become a student in the school of radiology. <clears throat> the story of this is uh, I was doing this conference in Canada a couple of years ago, actually right before COVID with people that some of you will know, Benny Hinn and John and Carol Arnold. And I remember when I was about to speak, I was sitting there and the, the host there said, hey, the person by the side of you is one of Canada's most famous doctors and surgeons. I wanted you just to know who he is and one of you maybe to say hello to him. So when I sat down, I looked over to him and I said, hello, my name is Leif. And he told me, my name is Dr. So-and-so, and And I'm like, wow, well, my name is Dr. Leif. (laughs) And he looked at me and he said, well, what kind of a doctor are you? Oh, doctor in radiology. (laughs) He said, I know you you maybe do not understand, in Canada we say radiology, radiology. (laughs) Well, I said, but my, my doctor is in ro- radiology. He said, I, I do not understand. So later on when I'm up to speak, uh, I was looking at him uh, holding up the rod. <laughs> my, my doctor, this said, uh, the logic of the rod. Uh, and I'm going to kind of uh, give a little of the background. But I felt one of the words before we even start that came to me. And I felt there was time for many people in this room, for you to change your address from the wilderness to the promised land. And by the way, the promised land is not something you get when you die. Because there was 31 kings that had been taken, that they had to take out of the promised land. And uh, there were seven battles, seven nations greater than himself that was in, and there's not going to be in heaven seven nations greater than yourself that you need to throw away. No, this is not a, the promised land is not just a picture of when you get to heaven one day. It is a picture when you are entering into the fullness what God has for you, for your family, for your marriage, for the Northwest, what God has for this region. Yeah. And I want to just read some scripture verses to you, and these scripture verses makes me a little jealous, because it is in a covenant lesser than what we have today, the Israelites actually experiencing something, and then we're going to go on the process and the journey so this Word can become flesh, so that this can become a reality for us, because I know so many of us, I know in some health areas that I've been in a wilderness season, and it's been too long where you have more promises than and more prophetic words than you have experience and reality. Am I the only one? And so you're kind of in this waiting room, but it was not supposed to be 40 years, but 40 days. And I'm just sensing whatever is stopping us to getting into our promised land. I felt we were supposed to deal with some of that that's connected to the word that Papa Jack had. But if you have your Bible, open this up to Joshua chapter 21. Joshua chapter 21, verse 43 to 45. The Bible says, Joshua 21 43 to 45, so the Lord gave to Israel all the land, say all the land, land. and you can even put your name instead of the Israel, you can say, so the Lord put, or the Lord gave to Laif, say the Lord gave to, and put your name, so the Lord gave to Laif all the land, which he had sworn to give the fathers, and they took possession of it, say possession, and they dwelt in say, dwelled in it. Say, dwell in it. It didn't say they just visited it, but they dwelled in it. Some of us are satisfied with visitation instead of habitation. And we want to have certain visitation because we don't know how to have habitation. But they dwell in it. And the Lord gave them rest all around. Say, rest all around. Yes. Imagine in your life if there is rest all around. Rest all around your marriage, rest all around your business. You're coming into Northwest with an airplane, and there cannot be chronic pain because there's rest all around. A cancer cannot live because there's such a shalom. There's rest all around. According to all that he had sworn to their fathers, any of the intercessors, anyone that has gone before us, the large cloud of witnesses that are in heaven watching us tonight that has been leaving for something for the Northwest. Suddenly you're coming into this region and people are wondering, what's happening in the Northwest? Well, there is rest all around. And And not a man, and not a man. Liberal and not the man, conservative, whatever group it is, of all their enemies stood against them. So, not one single man of all the enemies of all the opposition against the kingdom of God was able to stand against them. How many would like to experience that? So, there is no suddenly opposition about kingdom values, suddenly, something has changed, something has shifted. Not a man of all the enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies. Say, all their enemies. Into their hand. Not the word failed. I love this. Not the word failed of any good things which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. And the last part here I love. All came to pass. Say, all came to pass. Did the Bible say some come to pass? It says, say that again. Say one more time. So not one word, imagine that if not one single word of what God has spoken over your life failed, Everything that God has, God has spoken, I'm not saying that people have spoken of what we expected, but every word that is from God that He has spoken over you, what He has spoken over your marriage, what He has spoken over your health, suddenly you're creating an environment and an atmosphere. You're moving into this very place that is called your promised land, and you're suddenly stepping into it. That gives pain purpose for all the processes that you've gone through. But now we're going to go through a little bit of the process that led up to this. And let me give you a little bit of the background, and then we're going to have some fun tonight. Are you guys ready? Who yeah. in here likes to have fun? Yeah. Uh, and I just feel like there is this explosion going on on my inside. Uh, I actually just did this in New Zealand with about 3,580% of them were young Gen Z, just less than two weeks ago. And eventually the glory came into this huge coliseum. they had this dance on ice the day before, and then they melted the ice, filled up this auditorium, and there was this big family gathering, and suddenly the promise of God just came in over people, and there was a shift in the atmosphere, and I just sensed there's something in my spirit. But the background of this story, we remember the story of the Israelites. They were supposed to be head and not tail. They were supposed to be above and not beneath. They were supposed to rule and reign, not be ruled and reign. The disobedience came in, and then now the enemy came over. Egypt came in, and we remember that the Israelites was placed, They were placed into slavery in Egypt. I just want us to get the back on how we ended up, and then we're going to look a little bit at the process, and then we're going to see a little bit of the promised land, and then we're going to go in after some promised land in your life, including your health. Say health. health. Say finances. Money. Say family. family. I was just even thinking we did this at the Rock Church, this one activation that I did, and there was one lady she was sitting pretty much on the fourth row where you're there, a little bit different setting, but she was right in that meeting. And when we did this prophetic activation that we're going to do tonight, she had a son who was bipolar on methamphetamine. She hadn't seen him for 11 years, but she just laid down the sun in the offering plate that very day and she became free and trusted God with it. And the son walks into the service, gives his life to Jesus in the service. And it is amazing that what happens when we consecrate something and we trust God totally with something we are holding on to. And that's what Papa Jack meant. He wanted us to lay down what is ours so we can pick up his. Yes. So we're going to go through this, but I want us to see the background. So here we're seeing God's people. I mean, here you have 8,000 men plus women and children. They're slaves slave in Egypt, and God have had enough because he even sees God's people here. We've been more influenced by the kingdom of darkness that we have been influencing. And we can kind of feel even to see the tide. Just the time I came to America as a young Norwegian, 19-year-old, I came to Los Angeles in 85, and when I came in, Ronald Reagan was the president. And I was just thinking about it the other day. So much has changed even since I came here in this short period of time. The temperature. And I do feel like it is time for us because I can hear the cry of God. Let my people go. Yes. I'm hearing the to cry, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I can hear this. God is just enough is enough. And this is not about being angry at the enemy or angry at anything else, but it is God wants to take to set us free so we can help to set people free. Uh, But we have to start to see what was happening. So God's people, the Israelites, in the middle of all of this, they are in Egypt and they are crying out and they're complaining. And then there is this, let my people go. So God is about to do something to change and God is about to do something in your life and in the northwest and the reason I'm sharing that because if you see where the enemy is attacking, why is he trying to attack identity? Why is he trying to attack marriage? Why is he trying to attack? Just look at the area, the top 5 area where you see the enemy is attacking and they attack the generation. I'll tell you why. Because the next revival that is coming to the northwest is a family revival. And the first thing he's going to restore, that's what we're about, is restoring the identity of the sons and daughters. We're going to move from orphans to sons and daughters. We have been looking for the fire. He's been looking for healthy fireplaces. Because the fire belongs to fireplaces. So when we start to see this, the reason the enemy was trying to kill the baby boys was because Jesus the Savior was born. The reason he was trying to kill the baby boys was because Moses the Deliverer is about to come. And there's a whole new generation God is raising up in the middle of it. And that's what's going on. The enemy is nervous about what God is doing. And he's trying to distract that. But as God's people, we're not being overwhelmed by what the enemy is doing because we see what God is doing. And we're getting in on it. Are you okay? I I don't know why I got so excited. (laughs) I need to breathe. I just had COVID (sighs) for fifth time. (laughs) Anyway, so here is the story. And then in the middle of here, I, let me just confess it. I almost, I said almost, feel sorry for the devil. Uh. (laughs) One time I almost prayed for the devil. And the story is every time the enemy is trying to attack me, it leads to an upgrade. That's why you consider joy when these trials comes against you because it leads to upgrades. The way that I have learned love is because of fear. If I hadn't been put in fearful situation, I wouldn't have upgrades in love. Yeah. So what you're beholding is what you're becoming, and what you become is what you release. Yeah. And every time the enemy attacked me one area, it's like he's attacking my health. And the next moment I a healing in the area where the enemy attacked me. Yeah. And I wouldn't have seen all those healings taking place if I hadn't been attacked in those areas. I was sitting with some people, a minister, late last night of deliverance and dealing with trauma and feeling things in people, and I have authority over the areas where the serpent has bitten me. Could I say that one more time? You have authority over the area where the serpent has bitten you. So anyway, so here the enemy is trying to stop destiny, He's trying to stop. So here is a mama with a little baby boy. Do you remember her name? is Miriam? And she has a little baby boy named Moses. And She puts him in the Nile, and Mama wants to try to save her little baby because the kingdom of darkness is coming into an alignment with a governmental leader named Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is coming into an alignment with a kingdom of darkness and decides this weird, strange idea to go after life. And trying to stop. And one of the things that the enemy is trying to do, even with a baby in the mother's womb, is to try to stop a new generation. Why? Because that's the generation that is going to usher in the second coming of Jesus. I don't know if you're getting it. Because we pray differently when you capture what God is up to. That's
0: right, that's right.
1: It's a different way of operating. That is not the issue. If my people who call by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways. Oh, God is looking for Moses. So even here, the the enemy tried to kill me when I was in my mother's womb. He tried to stop me when I was 12 years old and abused me. He was trying with five years of drug addiction to stop me. Why? Because there's a destiny over my life. And those there with the enemy, fear, shame, and guilt has been the three giants he's been trying to kill me with. It's the very things that I see the greatest giants now. That's why I can face Islam and the giant of Islam, not because I'm not afraid, but I've been set free. And if there was enough for the enemy trying to stop those areas, I couldn't go in and do what I do today. That's why I almost felt sorry for the devil. I said almost. (laughs) So here the story is the enemy is trying to kill. Who is he after? He's trying to kill all the baby boys because he doesn't know which one is the deliverer. But guess what happened? Mama takes the little baby boy and Moses is floating down the Nile. And then there is a princess. She is there and says, ah, baby boy. (laughs) So this princess goes down and picks up the baby boy and guess what she does? She brings him into the palace. Just follow me for a few moments. I want you to capture it. The enemy is trying to kill all the baby boys, trying to stop all the baby boys. Moses is the one they're trying to stop. But kill everybody, make sure that we stop destiny. And instead, there's one that survives this thing, and then guess who happens? Pharaoh has to pay for the diaper bills. <laughs> Pharaoh pays for the education. <laughs> Pharaoh pays for the language training. I mean, he learns about the language of Egypt, the philosophy of Egypt, the psychology of Egypt. He knows everything there is to know about the kingdom of darkness and the culture of darkness. He's trained and he raised after 40 years in the school of Pharaoh, living in the home of Pharaoh. And kind of his new stepmom is the princess. And then so here's the enemy trying to stop destiny. And guess what God does? He places Moses right in his home. I want you to capture the picture. We are heading somewhere. I'm just kind of warming us up to where we're heading. And then in the middle of all of that, as they're trying to stop Moses, after 40 years, he gets ordained. Say ordained. And he's about to start his ministry. But the problem was the first day of his ministry, he kills an Egyptian. So for anyone at Seattle Bible College, first day of ordination, don't kill anybody. <laughs> The day your internship is over, don't kill anybody. I just want to give you some wisdom. And the second day after of the ordination is, are you going to do to us what you did to this Egyptian? So two of the brothers are fighting, and now what happened to him? He ends up in fear. Say fear. And then what he ends up, he goes into the desert. Say desert. desert. He gets into the wilderness. Say wilderness. And guess what he does in the wilderness? This is where the school of radiology came in, and that is that he becomes a shepherd. Say shepherd. Yes. So he's going from being a royalty to be a son in the Pharaoh's home to suddenly now be a shepherd boy. And what is his assignment? To take care of sheep and lamb. Later on, he's going to learn how to shepherd a lot of people. And in the wilderness, as I say, listen, let me give you this. It took about 40 years to get Moses out of Egypt, but it's going to take another 40 years to get Egypt out of Moses. It took about 40 years to get Moses qualified, say qualify, but it took another 40 years to get him disqualified, say disqualified, and that's how you become qualified. After 40 years, Moses does not know how to do anything any longer. He doesn't have to speak, he has stutter, and he had all these different issues. And if you say, Moses, who are you? He would say, uh, 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 I'm, I'm a sh- shepherd. Well, what do you do? What is your assignment? Uh, to take k- k- care of sheep. This, this is my identity. This is my protection. This is my retirement. I want you to capture this for a few moments. And God says, Moses, what I want you to do, I want you to take this 800,000 of my family, plus the women and children, about three million, I want you to take them out of Egypt, and I want you to bring them into their promised land. Starting a church is hard, but imagine if you are going to take about three million people that think like slave, operates like slave, all they know is slave mentality. All they know is they, for 400 years, has been in Egypt in the world system. And your assignment is to take him out of Egypt, through the wilderness, and all the way into their promised land. It's like herding three million cats. (laughs) That would be an easy assignment. So here we're about to start the journey. Welcome to the School of Radiology. Now we're starting the message for tonight. So anyway, so this was kind of the setup, the context that leads up to it. And then you get to in Exodus chapter 3. Before then, there's the burning bush. You come to Exodus 3. There's the story where Moses comes in. God, he gives five excuses of why he is not the one qualified. And God comes in. And after Moses comes up with his five excuses, God comes in and just say, God has had enough. And just tell them that. I am have sent you. I am that I am have sent you. If I was Moses, I would say, God, that is not very good grammar. I'm going to be with the president of Pakistan in a couple of weeks. So when I'm coming in to the president and the presidential palace in Islamabad, and I were to say, I am that I am have sent me, I'm sure they would lock me up and send me somewhere. But if you capture the I am that I am, it changes everything. When God says, I am have sent you, and that's what he's going to tell each one of us tonight. I am have sent you. I am that I am. This is a covenant name. This is your wedding band. This is a covenant. When he says, I am that I am. Well, I'm a little bit weak. I am your strength. Well, I have some sickness and disease. I am your healer. We sang it in the song. Well, I I struggle with a little bit. Fear anything else. I am the prince of peace. Whatever you need, he says, I am that I am. I am your peace. I am your joy. I am your strength. I am your presence. I am your power. I am your authority. I am your freedom. Whatever you need, I am that I am. And the only response back when you capture the I am is, you are. You are my healer. You are my provider. You are my strength. You are my father. And you will just start to worship him. You are. You are. You are all over Seattle. You are all over the Northwest. You are. And before you know it, people start to tweet. He is. He is a healer. He is a good God. And it becomes viral. When God says, I am, God's people says, you are. And the world around us will say, he is. Let's say that again. When God says, I am, God's people says, you are. And the world around said, God says, I am your healer. You say, you are my healer. And the world will say, he is a healer. And it starts to spread. You start to change the environment. And you become an environment changer. By the way, this rod was not exactly this one because I gave away the other one. Uh, You have it? And I... The rod of God have saved my life. There was one time I had 500 radicals that came to kill me. And I had less than 15 seconds. I remember Papa Jack's message. This is before, the first time I heard him teach it. And he gave me a rod and said, son, what do you have in your hand? And when he said, lay it down, son. And I had learned the school that you have tonight. And I remember very clearly, I had a moment, less than 15 seconds, just laying down mine and picking up his. And then in the next moment, home up the Rada God, they came in, broke the robe, and with guards with guns and machine guns. I actually have an old video of it. They walked into this zone, and 500 of them, the heaven just came down on them. And all these radical Muslims started to dance and worship Jesus. <laughs> and literally, the faces looks like it is glowing all over the video. You can see it. It's, they don't dance like this, but it's like in a charismatic meeting. They just come into this zone all over. So instead of killing, suddenly they all started to worship. It was the first time, and I've had several other Red Sea experiences, that I wouldn't be alive if God didn't remind me for a moment, what do you have in your hand? And that's going to be the message for tonight. So, are you guys ready? Uh, So, this leads up to the I Am That I Am. Now, we're going up to the Scriptures, because I know Pastor Terry likes Scripture verses. (laughs) She wants some notes here. So, Exodus chapter 4. Verse 1 through 5, and then I'm going to be extra gracious with Pastor Terry. Normally, I would never give two extra verses, but today I'm going to be very gracious. In honor of Pastor Terry, verse 17 and 20, extra attitude today. Yay! Say yay! Yay. Exodus 4, then Moses answered and said, but suppose Seattle will not believe me. Oh, suppose Northwest will not believe me. Well, suppose Washington, D.C., suppose they will not believe me. Oh, listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you during the event, the way conference. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Say that with me. That One more time. He said, a a rod, and he said, casted to the ground. So, he casted to the ground, and what does the Bible says? And it became a serpent. It became a serpent. Say that with me. And Moses, he fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and he caught it and it became a rod in his hand so that they may believe, so that they may believe, so my family may believe, so the school system may believe, so the government will believe, so the West will believe, so America will believe. What is it that they are going to believe? That the Lord God of their fathers, this is the family, the covenantal name, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Here's the evidences of God's covenant for you, that he has appeared to you. Verse 70, and you should take this rod in your hand, which you are going to do science. Say science. Verse 20, and Moses took. His wife and his son set them on the donkey and returned to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. Say, in his hand. So, are you ready? Say, I am ready. For the school of radiology, radiology. taught by a strange Norwegian. (laughs) So, here we are, welcome to the school of radiology. So, here is the picture. Moses coming into a setting, and we are going to be in this setting. What is that that you have in your hand? Say that with me. And Moses, that's where we're starting in this story. Eventually, the I am that I am has come in. And Moses started his journey, 800,000 Jews. And now they start this journey. And as they are starting the journey, they start to whine and complain. He gets a lot of sheep bites. And they are starting to fight with one another. And eventually, they want to go back again to Egypt instead of waking up in the morning with gratitude. Wow, it's actually cool today. There's fresh bread every single day. Instead of being full of gratitude of everything you have on a daily basis, they started to whine and complain. Yeah. They are not like my Shia Muslim friend that every single day for 270 days makes a beautiful picture. And he said, thank you so much. I will never forget about what Jesus did for me. Every single day, everything they needed. He protected them from the sun. He even gave them shoes. They are complaining, but they didn't wear out for 40 years. I mean, they had every single thing, and God took care of them, and it was daily because we want to say, can you give us tomorrow's bread or next year's bread? But he actually taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread because there's fresh bread for today. Yeah. You cannot eat yesterday's bread or you cannot get tomorrow's bread or there's fresh bread of his presence today. Yeah. But these people were whining and complaining, and Moses is having one of these chair number two prayer meetings. Moses I've had enough. God, I have this situation. You know, there's about 800,000 men plus women and children. They want to go back into the wall system. They want to go back to live like the wall is living instead of going on this journey through the wilderness and into their promised land. God! And then you can hear God says, excuse me, Moses, what's the problem? God, don't you hear me? I was just praying. And God, he does it again. And God like, excuse me, what is the problem? God, didn't you hear me what I said? Fighting, complaining, and we have all these issues going on, a turn, and the news is getting worse, and then it is the climate, and then it is this political, and this is going on, and God, don't you hear? Excuse me, what is the problem? And what do you have in your hand? But God, we don't have the time to talking about radiology. Don't you see what's going on in America? Don't you see what's going on? Don't you see all these injustices? Don't you see so-and-so and this and that and that? Excuse me, what is the problem? Oh, God. What do you have in your hand? I got a rod. Okay. What kind of a rod do you have? I got your rod. I got your presence. I got your power. I got your authority. I got your love. I got your joy. I got your peace. I got your strength. I got your wisdom. I got you. Excuse me, Moses. What was your problem? God, I don't have a problem. (laughs) You have a problem, God. What are you going to do about it? Do you see the prayer meeting change from chair two to chair one? Next situation, because here is some of the lessons. God had told Moses, I want you to lay down your rod. What is his identity? Shepherd. What is his, uh, what is his retirement? Well, this is going to protect me, this is going to provide for me, this is all I have. I'm going to share a couple of stories connected in my own life. Here's one that I don't like to tell. But in 2001, I was blessed with some finances through some little marketplace blessings that I got. And we had only had old cars, and one of my love languages is cars. Food and cars. I have several different love languages. <laughs> so I love uh, cars since I was a little boy in Norway. I used to play around with cars, but we just couldn't afford a nice car. But I've always dreamed and I pictures so of different cars. And one day, so this time I was blessed financially and I went and got my wife a nice SUV and I got this nice BMW. And it was wow, it was wow. I drove that, it, it was a beauty. And then suddenly these lights came up even in 2001. That BMW had lights on their little computer. And it was issue after issue after issue. And I'm like, I had to go to Huntsville to get it in. And it just became a nightmare. And I was so sick and tired. I got so frustrated because this is supposed to be a blessing. And instead, I felt it was a curse. And I had one of my prayer meetings. God... I waited so long for this and God don't you see and I'm struggling with this situation, this car, as opposed to and only a problem. And finally I heard God's voice says, Laith, why are you talking to me about your car? I said, God, don't you hear? Why are you talking to me about your car? Lay it down. It's not mine you're asking me to bless what you're doing instead of doing what I'm blessing. God, don't you understand? You're going to lose a lot of money, God. If I sell it now, it's used. To... He didn't have much problems with that because he didn't care about that. He cared about me and my heart. And I remember I had to get rid of it. And two years went by. I still was driving my day. I'm not against cars. I want you to see because over two years later, I still remember. He said, do you see this car? It's a dream car. He said, now you can have it course, when you don't need it, you can be entrusted with it. And so I remember I, when I laid down my car and you do not know even the very thing that God has given you. Is it your church or is it his church? So he said to me also, I still remember 16 years ago, he says, what do you have in your hand? I got a ministry, 22 nation. We almost have a thousand churches. We have all these things going on. He said, I want you to lay it down. I said, God, you gave this to me. People are depending on you. Lay it down. And it was one of the hardest things, not just being willing to lay it down. I had to, uh, I was invited to lay it down. And when I laid it down, it became a serpent. And you do not know if there's any serpentine nature, poisonous nature in what God has given you until you become free from it. And until you become totally free from something, you cannot really be entrusted with it. So I didn't realize before, because you don't realize, listen, you don't know if there's, say, the serpent say hiss, say hiss. hiss. Uh, I was in an Australia, and there was all these serpents, the poisonous serpent. And I don't know if they say hiss, but the sound hiss, say hiss. hiss. That's the Norwegian way of pronouncing what a serpent says. Hiss. But you do not know if there's any hiss in what God has given you until it becomes totally hiss. I don't know if you got that. So when he lays it down, all of that, listen, when he lays it down, all that hiss moves out so all of his can go in. And we need to get rid of a little hiss out of our lives, out of our family, out of our businesses. Is it your church or my church? He says, I will build my church. And when I build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And sometimes we have to lay down our churches so that we can pick up his church. So it doesn't have any hiss in it, but it has full of hiss in it. You lay down your fear, and His perfect love will fill you. Yeah. You lay down your shame, and His glory will fill you. When you lay down yours, you can pick up His. Yeah. So there's no longer your rod, it becomes His rod. Are yeah. yeah. uh, you getting it? Yeah. Is it getting you? Yeah. And then when you pick it up, you always hold it after the lesser end. And this is a life journey because I forget easily. I travel with a rod, and this one is actually pretty life. Because there's a moment I'm in the room, I'm going to need it in the next few weeks. I'm going to stand between the Red Sea. I'm going to stand between situations where I'm going to wonder, what do I have in my hand? And whatever I'm facing that is bigger than myself, we have to stop for a moment, lay down art so we can pick up his. Are yeah. yeah. oh, you getting it? Yeah. Okay, so here is the next part of the journey. Moses is coming into the next place, and then in the front of him is the Red Sea, say, Red Sea. And on the other side is the army. Say army. Army. I don't know if you've been there, but caught between the rock and the hard place. It doesn't matter where you go. You get the diagnosis. You can try in any direction. And you're just getting overwhelmed. It doesn't matter. I cannot move forward. I cannot go backwards. You're stuck there. And again, this time, Moses probably got a tweet or... Moses hearing the story, hey, we just heard the news. Pharaoh has forgotten, and he seems to be in a mood swing. He's sending the whole army. <laughs> so in the front of him, Red Sea. Behind him is. Behind him is, <laughs> and here they are about to get killed and stuck. And guess what? Moses, is like God. Not a prayer meeting, Diane. Heidi, <laughs> we don't have the time this time, God, to talk about radiology, army, Red Sea. And God says, what do you have in your hand? God, I told you, we don't have any time. They're coming quickly and you don't know. My husband left me. Stage four cancer. Or things starts to happen. What do you have in your hand? Say that with me. What do you
0: have in your
1: hand? Does it have any hiss in it or does it have hiss in it? And if not, just lay down yours. And let all that move out, fear move out, anxiety move out. Whatever's in you, just move it out. And then pick up His. Divine exchange. Place of surrender is the place of exchange. And when you're holding up His presence, His peace, His power, His authority, His strength. It comes from Him, it goes through Him, it goes back to Him. When you're holding Him up, you're changing the environment. And what we're going to look for today is somebody is willing to hold up the rod of God over the Northwest. Yeah. But we're also going to help one another because if the enemy attacks one of us, he attacks all of us. Yeah. And if one of us is struggling with cancer, suddenly the whole body of Christ is coming together. And the immune system of the body is about to be so healthy that cancer cannot live. Yeah. Cancer divides, love unites. And I really do believe it. We saw three times, I know it was sovereignly speaking, where everyone got healed. And two of them, nobody prayed. And the third time, my team prayed, several cessationists. I didn't pray for one person, I was sick. While my team went on, prayed for 522 people. And every stroke victim, every paralyzed person, every yeah. cancer, everyone got healed To ordinary people that became in a oneness and a unity. and became one in love. All we did was releasing a baptism of love. We don't compete with one another, but complete one another. And if one of us are weak, we are all coming in and holding you up, holding up your family, holding up your prodigal son until everybody is coming home. This is what we're going to do is to activate something today. Are you guys okay? One more situation. And I want us just to warn my family here, because even doing God's work God's way, your arms is getting tired it's not going to be enough for John and Grace or Pastor Dan or Pastor Terry. There's not going to be enough for the individual of us to hold up the rod of God. We're going to need to help one another.
0: Yes.
1: And that's why I'm coming around and say, Pastor John, and we sat and had dinner together tonight. Grace, how can I hold up the rod of God over your life? How can I hold up the rod of God over what God is doing in the Northwest? Let us get other people together. That's why David Wagner is coming in. What else do you need? So we can hold up the rod of God over what God has given this family. Are you getting it? And this is what we're doing with one another. So the whole family of families are coming together. And if one gets attacked, everyone gets attacked. There's such a oneness, such a unity, such a family atmosphere. You're not alone. You're not alone just with your rod. And even doing prayer meeting and revival meeting, your arms gets tired. And so what he said, get an Aaron and a Hur to help them. Get somebody to help you to hold up the rod of God. Because as long as we're holding up the rod of God, light will penetrate darkness. Love will penetrate fear. The presence of God will continue to fill it in. But when God's people is getting tired and we're no longer holding him up, then we start to point to one another and finding faults in one another and attack one another. And then we start to be overwhelmed by what Pharaoh is doing because we don't see what God is doing. Are you getting it? So we're about to activate in a few moments. Can I get the worship team up? But we have a few different activations today. I hope this was helpful. But I feel there's something that God wants to do. This is a prophetic message, prophetic activation. If you are a church pastor, ministry leader, it's not the one time, but I felt Papa Jack had something prophetic that he wanted to tell me. The last word before he died. Son, Moses in the rod, lay it down. And I'm still in the process. I have one of my family members that are very close that still need a fresh encounter. And I have to lay it down. If I carry it, it's getting heavy. But I have to lay it down and all the shh, move out. And all of his move in. I have some health issues. and Actually, when I'm leaving here, there was times I thought, can I make it? I had some little tough time yesterday. On Wednesday, I'm in for a little procedure before I'm going to make the next trip. But I, I need some help, so I'm laying down that. And all the hiss move out so his can move in. And there's people here that some for 20 years, some for 30 years, you needed healing. And somebody else comes alongside and says, let us hold it up. So you have done what you can do. You've had a prophecy. You've had the words over your life. But you have not had a whole body of Christ coming around you. Let us hold up the rod of God over your life. Let us hold up your arms when they are tied, when you cannot intercede any longer. Let us come alongside you. Let us hold up the rod of God. There's other people that have financial breakthroughs and they're coming alongside. Let us hold up in the area where you have not been able to break through. I cannot do this alone. I need this family to help me to hold up the rod of God in what I'm doing. But I'm also coming alongside you and say, let me hold up the rod of God. Some of you go to a small little place with a small little church, and I feel even there was one of you that was about to want to give up right now. And I'm here to say, don't give up. Just lay down. Let us move out so that His can move in we're going to now come alongside you (laughs) and we're going to hold up the rod of God over your life. So let us stand to our feet. We're just going to do a couple of personal activation first. What is the one thing that you are carrying? (laughs) What is the one weight? The one burden? Pastor John and Pastor Grace and I was just talking at supper. This is what we do as family. We want to be authentic. We want to be real and I ask them, what is some of your greatest need in this season? and How can I come alongside you? And I do the same with them, and here's what's going on. And we're just coming alongside and say, let us help one another. And there's certain things that we can lay down. Some of the youth, thinking about the future, thinking about the decision, thinking about some of the things you're facing. The blessing is, what do you have in your hand? Well, I got this fear about school, or fear about failure, or fear about Lay it down. Some of it is, that's your business. Today it's going to become his business. And the his is going to go out of your business. That's why I've told that BMW story. Because I felt some of you have been trying to hold on to something, and it's not that God needs it. He just wants you to be free from yours so you can pick up his. It's called an upgrade. So what do you have in your hand? I got this child prodigal son had this grandchild. I've had this spouse that I've been praying for all these years, but it doesn't seem like nothing is happening. He's weighing me down. I don't know if I can hold it any longer. Lay it down. So hold out your hands, and I'm not going to tell you what is yours. I just know there's one thing that Holy Spirit already put on my heart that is mine. Actually, I have another thing that came. I got me another thing that came that's going to be just laid into the rod today. <sighs> Addiction. I try, I try to conquer. Place it all into this rod that you're going to lay down today. Let all that move out, all the best that you could do. But then you're just going to lay it down and you're going to tap and be the best what He can do. It's called humility. It would tap you into His grace and His ability lay down your church your future, your ministry whatever it is, so hold it lightly in your hand right now, does everybody have a rod in there, just keep it in the spirit right now, feel like you have a rod something, just in a relaxed way it's a book that never was written in holding on if you can just lay down and trust him this is a place of trust I trust you in it. I just did it the other day. I was trying to write and write and write something, and I couldn't get it done. And finally, I just laid it down and let all that the pressure move out and his pleasure to come in. And at 1230 in the morning, suddenly he just gave me, and I wrote more in the next 10 minutes that I could have done in five days before. It was no longer mine. It was his. So, Father, I just thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. Holy, holy, holy. You are a holy spirit. Thank you for anything that we are carrying. You are the one that says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am low and meek and humble in heart. And I want to give you rest, rest, rest for your soul. And I want you even with your mind not to think about it. If that's a person, if that's a family member, that's a health issue, if that's finances, or if maybe there's multiple things that God is placing on your heart we're going to count or addiction or whatever it is. we're going to count to three, you take a little step back, and then you're going to just lay it down let one, two, three. lay down Just now, just rest, and all of that of the serpent move out. The pressure, the pressure, the pressure to move out, and his pleasure to go in, fear to move out, and his love to coming in. That prodigal son, we trust you with him right now. He belongs to you. I place him before you, and all the things I've carried, let it just go out, and you just fill it up with your promise, with your presence, with your shalom, to fill it in. Whatever that is right now, just take a moment and just start to lift your hands and just start to thank Him for it. Because you have now become free. Holy, there it is, yeah. Holy, holy. belongs to Him. You are faithful, Lord. If you can open up the Red Sea with this rod, we just use this rod to hit the rock and water will come forth. It's amazing what can happen when we have your rod. We have your presence, we have your wisdom, we have your strength, we have your power, we have your authority, but we're just are choosing to lay down ours so we can pick up yours. We're just laying down whatever that we have been carrying as our burden, and you said, let me take your burden up on me and learn from me, and take my yoke so that, wow, well, let me carry the load, and you entering into the resting place of my promises so I can take you into the promised land where there's rest all around no adversary, no evil occurrence, when not one of the enemy is coming against you and your family. In Jesus' name. Amen. The second thing that we're going to look at now, I want you to put and touch the person's arm that is next to you. And I want you to hold here like this and hold up the rod of God. We're going to enter into worship in just a few moments because there's a couple of more things, but just a couple of prophetic activation. Just, it's like we're holding up, the arms, because your arms are maybe tired, and we're coming alongside, because you're not alone. So whatever is going on in your life, we're just in unity. We're just coming in, and we're carrying one another's burden. We're holding up as one family. We're one family, and we're holding it up. And whatever was a problem before this moment, it is becoming a promise. And even at this moment, the environment starts to change. Whoa! Baba! Holy. We're holding it up. It belongs to you. He belongs to you. Yes. They belong to you. Whoa! Yeah. We're holding up the rod of God. Yes. We're just holding up the rod of God. Yes. Father, just hold the rod of God up.
0: Yes, Lord.
1: Baba! And I just feel I wanted to release over you. It was not just for Noah, but it was for Noah and all of his family. Because of the covenant with Noah, all the family, they didn't do anything. Because Rahab put his red cloth, it was not just Rahab that got saved. I want you to capture it. It was not just Rahab that got saved, but it says that anyone that was in that house of Rahab bring out. If that's family, do you, have some, do you have anybody else? I don't know if there was customers in I don't know who they were. But anyone else that is related, anyone around you, all of them also would be saved. And I've just sensed that we need to come into this covenant blessing over our family and anyone that is related to us. Because there's a red piece of cloth that is hanging over you at this moment. And when God sees that, and that is the blood covenant that is over you and your family and anyone that is related to you, that the generational blessing will flow. Anyone that is related to you that they will be saved and they will entering in because of God's promises over your life. So I just bless you with that in Jesus' name. Holy, you may rest your arms for a few moments. There's healing in his present. There's this last picture and we're going to end with that. And it's a little bit similar like yesterday, but tonight is here am I, send me. But the last part of the week, I continued going after finance and going after so many years. But here's what I felt tonight again. I just feel like there's an invitation for you. <laughs> this is what happened with me in October again. When it was an invitation, he says, Leif, I want you to be my rod. And I want you to lay down your life and let all the hiss move out. I didn't know there was any including yesterday. I didn't know I was sitting there just being in the presence with you guys and you do not realize until you're getting before His presence that there's some hiss that is coming in. Sometimes some of the Egypt system does something to us that we do not even realizing what it is until we are be becoming before His glory and His presence. And He just wants this hiss out of our life, so He can fill us with hiss. But I just felt that whatever has been going on Tonight is also a place of consecration. So we're going to enter into worship in just a second. But you and I, we're going in this season becoming God's rod. And He's going to use you as His rod to be filled up with Him. And that He can spend you in whatever way He wants to. For you to trust you. I have this one life to live. And so much love to give. That I'm placing my life, as Randy Clark says, as a coin in your hand. I'm just like a coin in your hand. Just take me and spend me in any way that you want to. I know this is a very scary prayer, so it's not for anyone, but I just felt that if you are willing and to trust Him with the one life you have, it's amazing what He does, but I do know that the best of who you are will only be found in Him. And until all of us has been laid down and all the His move out and His move in, there's still going to be areas where we do not experience fullness. But at a moment when you lay down, you become like a fish in water, you become alive. As an eagle in the sky, you start to soar. Something starts to happen to people that are becoming totally free. And this is a place of freedom when I just take this life, take my marriage, I take my family, As for me and my house. We will just serve the Lord. So if you're willing to... We're just going to come up front here, up the aisle. All I'm saying is take a step. It doesn't need to be the same way, whatever you're sensing. But I just sense we're going to activate. And now we're going to go into the presence and let all the hiss going out of your life and all of hiss fill you. Hiss filling your marriage, filling your marriage and your family and, whoa. This is between you and him. But I just knew that for myself yesterday. I'm not finished yet. It's a daily thing. And other times something else comes in. It was so fun, I was going to teach about living an offense-free life without offense. And then I got offended by my wife the day before. And all day I carried an offense. And I just been spending the whole days teaching me about offense. And I just realizing that <laughs> deception is very deceiving. And this is not about just the automatic but it just means we're taking a step together and just saying that I have this one life, young people and old. And, I do believe that also Pastor Dan Hammer and, and, and John and Grace and perhaps but some, some of you also are coming and we're going to start to activate some of you now and helping you with a rod of God and just starting to release and proclaim different things over people. But can we just now having the holy moment? Let's take a few moments first with a song. Could you just sing over us? We're just placing ourselves in the offering plate all over. Oh, this is a holy moment from the top of your head,
0: Shoot. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif Hetland on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.